welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. This morning, I want to speak to you on a subject that's quite close to my heart. And I think uh, I was inspired because I went for a wedding Yesterday at Cornerstone, the church that I grew up and the youth pastor uh, got married at, th- at 36 years old. I mean, he's a little bit 37 years old, 36, 37 years, uh, years old. It's, it's very special because he, he was one of, my, one of our first converts when we first planted the youth ministry. He was actually uh, one of the first five that came to know Christ. And uh, he was 16 years old together with Junjie uh, at the back thereabouts. And uh, it's very special because it reminded me a lot of uh, our history of, of uh, the early days of the ministry where we started the youth ministry. And when we planted the youth ministry, or when we started the youth ministry, one of the things that is the hardest to do when you pioneer ministry is what do you name it? Right? Do you call it fusion or urban? I mean, there are a lot of cool names back in those days, right? And uh, so we were praying for a name, and the Lord spoke to me and said, uh, you should name the ministry Generations. And I thought that's, uh, you know, that's not as cool as urban or, you know, because in those, in those days, there's a ministry from Coos called Urban Race. Oh, that's quite cool, Urban Race, well, a pretty cool name. But Generations is a little bit... Uh, was cool then, right? Yeah, uh, was cool then. Uh, but it was very special because, in my heart of hearts, I really believe that it is God's will for the church to be generational. And so this morning, I want to speak to all of us. I want to set a vision for this church. I believe it's also in 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 uh, Andre's heart. But I want to speak to you on the church being generational, or or I should call it a generations church. See, there are a lot of churches in Singapore and there's one particular church they call themselves the Youth Church. I love it because if you go there, they've got a few thousand young people and the youth you know, is basically playing uh, on the band, they are ushering and, uh, and they are proud to be called a Youth Church. And I love the fact that they are proud to be called a Youth Church because that's who they are. And, but who we are, I really b- I believe we're not just a young adult church. There are a lot of young adults here. All the young adults say, say yes. All the families say yes. Yeah. All the youth. Yeah. Hey, hello. All the teens. Yeah. Oh, something's wrong. <laughs> but I really believe God has called us to be a generations church, multi generation. It's very important for us as a church to think generationally. See, the modern church must discover or rediscover, should, should I say, the mindset of thinking generationally. Because first of all, no one but the Father knows when Jesus will, will return. And, and we want to pray for His coming. We believe that we are closer today than it, it was 2,000 years ago. It could be today, it could be tomorrow, it could be many years from now. So no one knows. And secondly, God Himself always thinks and acts generationally. See, for too long, too many members of the body of Christ have considered themselves part of the terminal generation. We are the final one, all right? In fact, when I was growing up, we sing songs like, We are the final 
generation, we will see the coming of the Lord and we were proud to be called the terminal or the final generation. Now, it is time that we as a body of Christ change that way of thinking. Now, it's important for us to expect the return of the Lord, but because no one knows, it is important for each generation of Christians to see itself as a bridge generation. Say, say, say bridge. As a bridge generation that builds on the past, lives in the present, and plans for the future. We have to build on the past, we have to live in the present, and we have to plan for the future. It, it, it is very important. Now, please don't get me wrong, all right? It is very important to live each day as if Christ is coming back t- t- uh, this morning or today. <laughs> all right? But yet plan for tomorrow as if He will not return for years. It is very important for us to have that mindset, to think generationally. See, part of the mindset as a, of a bridge a generation is recognizing and taking seriously the responsibility of passing on to the next generation a solid legacy of faith and godly values, which is what we did with PFL. We want to pass on to the next uh, generation a solid legacy of faith and godly values. See, the church is never more than one generation away from paganism. I just came back from Israel, and uh, one of the saddest scenes, if uh, you've been to Israel, is the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which many believe was the exact site that Jesus uh, was actually crucified and uh, where he was, and where the tomb of uh, Joseph of Arimathea was. But if you, go there to, if you go there today, it was a madhouse, basically. There were six, seven, eight, I can't remember, uh, remember but uh, really, religious sects that claim that place as their own. In fact, uh, a few of us saw a ladder there for 200 years. They can't even move the ladder because uh, the, the six sects cannot agree whether to remove the ladder or not to remove the ladder. And it was so religious that people were kissing stones, they were queuing up uh, to touch the rock you know, uh, that they believe where the cross was planted and different things that they did. But what I felt was paganistic. You know, I, we were there and, uh, and it was no different from the Pharisees of Jesus' day. They were coming out with, with a staff and we were to make way for them because they, they were knocking on the staff and they had uh, the rights to do that because it was actually part of their part of their privileges, all right? When they knock on, on the floor with, with, with the staff, with the pathway, and there was a grief in my spirit because they had a form of religion, but really it's paganism. As far as I'm concerned, now, don't judge me for that, but I really believe that that wasn't Jesus' intent when He founded the church. It wasn't supposed to be religious. It was supposed to be a movement that, is, that will take the world by storm. But I've learned that the church is never more than one generation away from paganism, from extinction. All it takes to lose everything is for one generation to fail in transferring its beliefs and principles to the next. In fact, it happened in the Bible in the days of Joshua. We all know this scary verse in Judges chapter 2, verse 10, where the Bible says, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what He had done for Israel. Now, I pray that this will not be a verse that was said of this church. I pray that this will not be a verse that was said of the church in Singapore. We're just one generation away from falling back into religion. 
We need to understand the importance of transferring to the next generation God's purpose, God's values, God's destiny for the next generation. See, I read uh, in Jim Elliott's journal, this is very interesting, he, he wrote this when his parents found out that he was called, uh, uh, that he was going to the Orca Indians to uh, be a missionary. The parents who were great Christians uh, just couldn't accept the fact that their son is going to become a missionary. And they expressed that their displeasure. And Jim Elliott wrote in his journal in response to his parents' reaction. He wrote these words. He says, Jesus told the disciples that they must become so infatuated with the kingdom and following Him that all other allegiances must become as though they were not. They must become so infatuated. I love that word. Why the word infatuated? Because, understand this, Christianity is more than right thinking about the kingdom. It's more than just right thinking. Now, I believe in loving God with our mind, but Christianity is more than just right thinking about the kingdom. It is also right feeling about the kingdom. Have you been to congregations where all we do is teach the Word and it's just theology and principles, but a lack of passion? And we've, we've all been there. You know, I've been there, I've been to churches like that. And I pray that this will not be the state of this house. Somebody say, Amen. We have to think correctly, but we must also feel passionately for the kingdom. One, one, one of the most critical needs of the church today is to have a commitment to transfer or to pass on to the next generation, not just principles, come on, not just theology or not, or, and doctrinal beliefs, but also passionate heart affection. We must love Jesus with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength. I mean, I like the way the psalmist put it in, in Psalm 145 and verse 4. The psalmist says this, wrote these words, One ge- a generation shall praise your works to another and declare your mighty acts. See, the faith is supposed to be expressive. We are to praise and we are to declare, we are to raise our voice and tell the next generation that God is great. His, His works are mighty. There has to be a heart connection to the faith, not just a head connection. Somebody say amen. What we want from the next generation is not just heads full of right facts about the works of God. What we want from the next gen is we want heads full of right facts and hearts that burn with the fire of love for the God of those who works. Come on. Not just head full of facts, but heart that burns for the God who does all these acts. See, each generation must learn to love God for themselves. We all agree with that statement, but it is also the responsibility of the preceding generation to teach them by modeling that love. All of us are role models for gosh kids. All of us who are young adults who have grown up in our youth are role models for people in legacy. All of us are supposed to show them and to demonstrate to them what passion looks like, what loving God with a heart, soul, mind, strength looks like. Somebody say amen. And this is the biblical uh, pattern, not only in God's dealings with us, but also in the patriarch's dealings with their children. And in, in fact, Paul wrote about it in the, in, in, uh, to, to his uh, protege, to Timothy. Right? Paul said that we are to, come on, what? You know, we, are, we are to teach. We are to set example for those who are young. We are to teach those who come after us the ways of God. Come on. 
This is the fundamental principle, whether we call it mentoring, whether we call it spiritual fathering, spiritual mothering. This is the spiritual foundation, the fundamental principle that all of us must live by. These things I've heard from me. Pass them on to faithful men who will teach them to others also. And that's the reason. And that's why the church still exists today because people took that command seriously and they pass on the legacy of faith. For the ancient Israelites, these were the foundational concepts of the Mosaic Law. The first scripture Jewish children are taught as they begin their spiritual journey is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 to verse 7. Let's have a look at the screen. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. That's the first things that Jewish children learn. In fact, Jesus identified this as the great and foremost commandment. Nothing is greater in importance than hearing, than knowing, than loving, than honoring God. Nothing is more important than that. And we are to pass this on to our children. On the heels of the command to love God is the command to pass on that love. As well as the knowledge and the love of God to the next generation. Somebody say amen. See, the fathers and the mothers were to use every walk and circumstance of life as an opportunity to transfer the legacy of faith to their children. And this is not an easy task. It doesn't happen overnight. There are no shortcuts to imparting faith and values, parents. No short, shortcuts. There is no manual called spiritual multiplication for dummies. Success comes only with commitment, with discipline, with diligence, with patience, with intentionality. It requires all of us to give ourselves to this task, not just to parents, but in this church. You may not be a parent naturally yet, but all of us are called to be spiritual parents. I wouldn't be where I am today in the faith without my spiritual parents. Now, it's not a title. Come on. In some churches, that's a, a title. You have to go through a course to learn how to be a spiritual parent. Now, I believe in learning. I think it's important for us to have some handles to become uh, spiritual parents, but it's not just a title. All of us are called to be parents. From the youngest amongst us, when I was a young person, my pastor told me that you know, it, it doesn't require a lot of age for you to be old to be a parent. And I took that at face value, I, I was 23 years old and I thought to myself, okay, if my pastor says that, I think he's correct. I'll just be a spiritual parent at 23. And I think I did for a season in different people's lives. I was parenting them. I was correcting them. I was re reprimanding them. Whether it's right or wrong, I don't know. I was young back in those days. Like my kids will tell you that I'm a better parent today than I was when I was 24. But we grow. My point is this. We need to embrace that call from the youngest to the oldest amongst us to be spiritual parents. Someone say amen. amen. See, many believers, the church, we are spiritually impatient. 
In fact, most of us prefer the quick touch of the Lord. Come to the altar, pray for you, you fall on the floor, you roll, you shake, you tremble, you speak in tongues, and, and, you, and, and, and we talk to ourselves, that's, that, that's it. They are, they, they, are, they are being parented by the Holy Spirit. Now, I believe in encountering God. It's also important. But listen, I also believe that there's a more demanding pace of discipline and mentoring. I wouldn't be where I am, as I said. Some of you wouldn't be where you are without people pouring their lives into you. Some of us are more natural when it comes to parenting. Some of us are not. But the point is this. We, are, we all must become spiritual parents. Amen. In truth, the fast burn of revival and the slow burn of spiritual mentoring are both critical to God's strategy for reaching nations, for reaching Singapore, for reaching our schools, for reaching uh, the next generation. See, revival releases faith. And we want revival. releases faith and changes lives instantly. Um, Yes, touched by God, on the floor, releases faith. But spiritual mentoring, you know, you listen carefully, transforms culture. It transforms culture. From the story of Elijah, we know that. He called down fire from heaven. He, and he destroyed 450 prophets of Baal. He brought about national revival. But it is the next generation under Elisha and Jehu that destroys Jezebel, who represented the domination of culture by the powers of darkness. It was Elisha and Jehu the next generation that brought about transformation to the land. See, Elijah set the stage by his faithfulness of being a spiritual father. He, he took Elisha and, you know, on a journey from, from Gilgal to, to different places, to, to Jericho, and he poured his life into Elisha. It was Elisha who brought about a national reformation, transformed culture. Not Elijah. Elijah basically was a faithful spiritual father who was faithful in his assignment. But what he did right was he passed on his legacy to Elisha. Same for Jesus. When we were in Israel, what touched me most? It's not walking on the roads that Jesus walked on or Sea of Galilee, but in different sites that I visited, I heard worship in the Indian style. Worship in African style. Worship, I, we met Taiwanese, we met Chinese, we met Africans, we met Indians. And I said to myself, I said, a small backwater religion that was founded by Jesus 2,000 years ago, a Jewish carpenter, is now a national, international, global phenomenon. What happened? Because Jesus took 12 men, one of them failed, but he took 12 men and he poured his life into these 12. These 12 men, when the Holy Spirit fell, Brought the had disciples that they hang out with, they spend time with, and that's how the faith grew. It went beyond the boundaries of Israel. It went to Europe. It went to Africa. It came to Asia. It came to Singapore, and here we are. It's all spiritual parenting. Spiritual parenting. I believe God's desire is to link a multiple generations into a synergistic relationship. So I was a youth pastor. And when I was a youth pastor, I, I thought, who cares about the old? 
who cares about those who are busy working and they are living like, you know, lack of passion life. All they do is just work and go to office and they don't come for prayer meetings. You know, they, they are not serving in church. They just, you know, sit in the pews and they were laid back. We are young people. We're always in the front. When the music goes, we jump. When the, when the preacher is preaching, we say, yes, we have got the passion. And so I thought. <laughs> but I've come to learn in the last nine years of pastoring this church, before we hand it over to this amazing man in the front, right, that the church at large has long suffered from a generation gap where there is little genuine appreciation, understanding, or cooperation between the older, the middle, and the younger generations of believers. And I believe God wants to bring these generations back together to infuse into all three generations a common vision, a unified sense of purpose, and recognition of their mutual interdependence. I believe God is generational by nature and in Himself, He became an example to us and for us. His self-revelation to humanity as Father, as Son, and Holy Spirit. One God in three persons reflect a generational or a generational perspective. See, God the Father gave His only begotten Son to redeem lost humanity and make salvation possible for everyone who believes. God the Son gave Himself to a small band of spiritual sons and daughters and imparted to them the Holy Spirit that dwells richly within them. God the Holy Spirit empowers and enables all believers to carry out the Father's redemptive plan on a global scale. See, completion of the plan requires all generations. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit to work together as one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. All co-equal, co-existent, co-eternal in, in nature, but generational in relationship to mankind. In the Godhead, He demonstrated to us the interdependence between three generations. I believe God's purpose is, is also generational. When God describes Himself as the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, he's not just identifying himself with these names. He's describing his very being and how his purposes proceed throughout history. Now, you know the story. God told Abraham that his children were like stars of the sky, the sun of the seashore, and yet Abraham had only one son of promise, Isaac. Only one. So you might be wondering if you are Abraham. How can this be? I've got only one son. You promised me that my descendants, but I've got only one. But Isaac passed on that same promise to his son Jacob, who passed on to his 12 sons. One of them was Joseph, who became a ruler, rose to prominence in Egypt. And after a small beginning, in the fourth generation, one appeared who ruled an entire nation. See friends, all of Jacob's sons were fruitful. The descendants multiplying across generations to become 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. Come on. What started as a promise, what started as God's purpose to one man, now the Jewish race are some of the most creative people, wealthiest people. They lead in industries like movies, Spielberg and 
banking and the list goes on. It all began as a promise. And listen, God's purpose is generational. So what's my point here? My point is this, as parents, and one day all of you will become parents, most of you will become parents, what you need is not just seeing with your eyes, but what you need is a promise from God to your lineage, to your bloodline. And if God makes you a promise, you're going to hold on to that promise, you can be sure that whether it's in this life or in the life to come, He will fulfill His word to your generations. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. I believe that. I believe that. But friends, if this kind of transgenerational harmony and unity is to be fully realized, the modern church must undergo a paradigm shift of major proportions. The younger generation must learn once again, learn to hold their elders in high honor and respect. We, we must learn no longer dismissing their ideas, their values, their counsel as quaint, outdated, relics of the past, old school, we must hold the elders in high regards. The middle and the older generation, let's define it, all right? The younger gen, the, the, the younger gen let's call them the millennials. All the, all the millennials say, yay! The middle generation, let's call them the Gen Xs. All, all Gen X says, yay! Yay! Those who are older, not many amongst us. But the boomers, <laughs> those, those of us who are in the second and third, uh, who are in the middle and older generation must be willing to see the younger ones through a different lens. We must stop viewing them simply as immature children with, with little or nothing to offer and recognize, listen, recognize both their giftedness and their usefulness in the kingdom. We have to recognize their creativity. We have to recognize that they are more relevant to the world today than we are. Come on. Even my son at three years old know how to use an, I, an iPad. Amazing. <laughs> Unbelievable. The hearts of the fathers must be turned to the children. The hearts of the children must be turned to the fathers in mutual respect, in interdependence. See, each generation must learn to honor those who have gone before them, the pioneers of the kingdom, of the church, who have followed their vision, forged a path for descendants to walk in. See, many spiritual parents, I've learned this, and grandparents who are alive today still long, their hearts still ache because they have not seen the fullness of what God has promised them 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago. And their heart still aches and they long to see their vision fulfilled in their children, in you. I still remember when I was a young pastor speaking to Canon James Wong who's uh, who's old now, he had visions of seeing churches planted, you know, in every housing estate. In fact, back in those days, HDB just came about and flats were going up and his vision was a church in every block of flats. The last generation have got visions of Singapore becoming the antio of Asia. They had a different interpretation probably from some of us, but nonetheless, I believe that vision comes from the Lord and it has to be interpreted through generational lenses. But the point is this, 
the last generation has got dreams and visions that are yet to be fulfilled and they're looking to us to take the baton from them and to run the race with the same intensity, with the same sense of purpose. Somebody say amen. See, as the children honor their parents and grandparents, the synergy of the generations began to become reality. And my point is this, honor, therefore, is a relational bridge that allows the generational transfer to happen. We need to build a culture of honor into the generation. Somebody say amen. The Lord takes the wisdom of the old, the resources of the middle, and mingles it with the zeal of the younger generation. And that's what He wants to do in our day and age. All right, Those of us in our 40s may not have the same expression as those in their 20s and teens. But those of us in our 40s have got resources, connections, relationships, networks that we can share to advance God's kingdom. We have got funds we can give to Exa and said, use this to win 14 more souls. Those of us in our 60s and 70s, we may be retiring. No, no, but what we have is experience. What we have is wisdom. And we can share with those in their 40s and in their 20s and say, hey, these are my life experiences. But those of us in our 20s, we've got energy, we've got zeal, we've got, we, 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 we have got a dream. We, we want to go places. And see, friends, as the younger generation moves out in action, the older ones, those of us in our 40s, must cheer them on and say, go for it, run with the vision. We speak counsel, we give advice, we release wisdom, we release resources, we back them up with our prayers and say run with the vision amen i'm coming to a close but i really believe that that's god's heart for not this just this church but for the kingdom of god to see to see a coming together of three generations the old the middle and the young i believe as we race towards the last of the last days as we expect the return of Jesus, I believe we're coming to a place where we will see a convergence of the ages, the convergence of the different moves of God in the last hundred years. I really believe that. I believe that we will see the merging and the convergence of the falling of the Pentecostal fire. The healing and the deliverance of the 30s and the 40s, the Lateran presence of God that we're seeing now in, in, in some of the movements around the world. The burden for the loss that Billy, Billy Graham and those of the evangelical movement carried. Charismatic giftings. The zeal and the passion of the Jesus people movement. The credibility of the third waivers the prophetic movement and the revelations, words of knowledge and wisdom. I really believe that, it, that all this will swell into a tidal wave as we race towards the last days. I believe before Christ comes back, that God will release an explosion of His Holy Spirit that will shatter paradigms in people's minds and cause the whole church, listen, the entire church, the young, the old, to begin thinking generationally rather than selfishly. 
I believe the whole, that we will see the emergence of Elijah's, who will raise up the Elishas, who expect God to pour out His double portion on them. I believe that. And that's, and that's why, I, you know, by God's grace, and I hope to exemplify that. I believe what, what God did in me and through me, He will do even greater through Andre, Jason, those in Cornerstone. I believe that God will pour His double portion, that they will do even more greater works. Grow this church, grow this church more. I believe that, he, that, that you guys will raise up more leaders and that the movements of the Holy Spirit will, will be even stronger. The same dreams that my fathers have on my generation. It's the same dream that we have on those who are younger. It's the same dream that you must have on those who are coming up after you. And that's how the kingdom of God becomes stronger and stronger. We must be a generation's church. Amen? It's not just the leaders in the front being spiritual parents. All of us. Say all. We can't be pew warmers. As I was uh, at Cornerstone looking at uh, the wedding, as I said, a lot of memories were just flooding in my mind. Right? And uh, when, uh, when I was a youth pastor, the number of times that I've said that God hasn't called us to warm seats, God hasn't called us to, to take up space, and the, and the weeks that we spend mobilizing the entire youth ministry to live a life that, that goes beyond themselves, to give themselves, to be sold out to the kingdom. I believe the same challenge goes to all three generations. No one is too old to, be, is too old to retire from the kingdom, and no one is too young to serve God. And no one should be too busy to avail themselves to share their wisdom. Come on, that as a church, even as we celebrated the parents who graduated from PFL this morning, I believe as a church, all of us should purpose in our hearts to be spiritual uh, parents. The more parents we have, the more new believers, new babes in Christ we will see. The 14 teenagers who give their hearts to Christ last week, who are their fathers? Who are them, them, their mothers? Just Andre or Axel, Tim, and the rest of us? We clap. Yay! But what about us availing ourselves and said, well, I can help. What about all the new couples who are getting married soon or in the last two, two three years? Looking for role models, examples, newborn babes coming, don't know how to... Don't, don't know. What about the, the rest of us who have got kids for like many years now, right? Can we avail ourselves and say, hey, I'm here, man. I'm just one phone call away. If you need help, here I am. I think what God has done in the last four or five years has been amazing. Wars have come down between the youth, between the young adults, between the parents. And I think what God is building here is a prototype of what a generation's church can look like. I love it. You know, when I see people carrying kids, you know, the young, the old, we've got something amazing going on here. Something tremendous. And I wouldn't trade this for anything else. Amen. Can we just stand? My charge to you this morning is to build generationally. It starts by us thinking generationally.
It starts by us honoring those who are older. They may have a different view. And I'm guilty of that when I was younger. Even now, I, I'm guilty of that. But they've got wisdom to share and we should embrace their wisdom with open arms. And all those who are older, don't look at the young and say, ah, they're just young people. One of the most amazing verses in the book of Psalms, Psalm 144, the psalmist says that our children, that, that, that our sons may be like plants grown up in their youth. You see, when we start seeing young people as plants and young daughters as corner pillars in the palace, they are foundational, they are pillars. We treat them differently. So Father, we thank you for this, mo- this morning. We thank you, God, that you want to raise up the generations in this church, God. Lord, give us a vision of what this can look like in the coming years. Lord, break us out from our, from our, from our selfishness, God. Thank you, Lord. If God is speaking to you this morning and if you're saying, God, I want to be a spiritual parent, right where you are, in your heart, I want you to pray and say, God, give me a son. Give me a daughter. I was 16 years old. I've shared this story before. I was 16 years old. When God gripped hold of my heart and He said, Daniel, you can be a shepherd. You can be, in those days, that, that was the term that we used. And I, start, and I started praying, say, God, I want sheep. I want to give birth to lambs. God, I want sheep. And I prayed and I prayed and I said, God, I want the people that I can pour my life into. I can share God's word with. I can just impart the little knowledge that I have about you. God, I want people that I can pass on my knowledge to. And of course, God answers my prayer. She, cell group, youth ministry. And this morning, I want you to pray. If this is, if you, if you hear the challenge of the Holy Spirit, I want you to pray right now. God, I want to have people that I can mentor, I can parent in this, in this church. God, I want people that I can reach out to and I can call and I can share life with. Come on, church. Not just the leaders in the front, but all of us from the front to the back, left to the right. If that's you and you're saying, God, I want to have people that I can pour my life into. Just ask God to give you a child. Ask, ask God to give you a son and, and a daughter. That you'll be barren no more. That you'll be barren no more. Father, we pray that you will shake us out from our comfort zone, God. We don't want to be pew warmers. We don't want just, just, just the warm seats. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that God, you will just give us sons and daughters. Father, we pray for sons and daughters, God, to just rise from this house in the name of Jesus. We want sons. We want daughters. We want people that God, we can fashion and shape, Lord. Plants in their youth. Pillars in your in your palace. Thank you, Lord. Raise up spiritual parents. Thank you, God.